the Georgia runoffs are in full swing and will determine the fate of the Senate. The audio of Tom Cruise screaming about COVID protocols is here, and it is so much to handle. And we're joined by Paul McLeod to talk about why Republicans are so late to the game on declaring Biden the next president. The date, December 16th, 2020. The time, news o'clock. Hey, friends, I'm Casey Rackham. And I'm Zach Stafford. Welcome to BuzzFeed's News O'Clock. Casey. Zach. Know what I want to talk about today before we get going? No, but I'm excited. You're smiling. I'm so excited. So one, I want to say Pete Buttigieg has been, uh, you know, named as Biden's pick for Secretary of Transportation, historic major. He'd be the first openly gay person in a cabinet position. But why I am smiling is because of the great irony here. And that is that, as you know, as a person that's part of the LGBTQ community, is that gay men specifically can't drive. So we now have a gay man running transportation, <laughs> which I thought, I know Biden thought he was doing something with this pick, like something big, but like, what have you okay, done? Okay, you know what? Then we need to figure out if he's a good driver and then see if you were accurately represented. I'm media. going to call, I'm, I'm going to call his team and be like, so can uh, Pete drive? How many tickets has he gotten? How many cars totaled? Because everyone listening, if you know a gay person in your life, I am surprisingly a good driver, maybe because I'm not gay. I'm kidding, I'm gay. But there are a lot of people that I know that are gay men that have get, gotten to so, so many wrecks in their lives. A dear friend of mine told me he like totaled four cars in high school. And that is like canonically queer to me. You know so. what? If we're continuing with these gay stereotypes. Then, you know, I think uh, queer women, lesbians are the opposite. They're just uh, following all the rules and they're Subarus. <laughs> That's so true. This also plays into, Casey, my idea that we will one day have an openly LGBTQ president, and I would bet my life on it that it's going to be a queer woman, 100%, (laughs) because of these reasons. (laughs) Okay, Zach, it's time for today's top stories. What have you got for us? All right. So the Georgia Senate runoffs are in full swing. Early voting started on Monday and will continue until January 1st. Because these two races determine the fate of the Senate, President-elect Joe Biden was on the ground there. And he had this to say about current Republican senators Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue. In fact, your two Republican senators fully embraced what Texas was telling the Supreme Court. They fully embraced nullifying nearly five million Georgia votes. You might want to remember that. Come January 5th, I'll try to be generous here in the spirit of the season. Maybe your senators were just confused. Election day in Georgia is January 5th, so if you're a Georgia resident, get out there and vote. Meanwhile, we maybe finally are going to get some kind of COVID relief package. The current incarnation of the bill is worth around $900 billion, and Congress is looking to add stimulus checks to that total by end of this week. The reason for that deadline is because Congress must pass a new spending bill Friday at midnight in order to avoid a government shutdown. They managed to avoid one last week, but we'll see if they can get this one across the finish line. I we'll see. I don't know what the final number will be for these stimulus checks, but I was saying I was seeing like five hundred to six hundred dollars, which is roughly half of what the original ones were back at the beginning of this pandemic. I would just like to note many countries like the country of France has continued to pay folks um, as they've seen way less COVID uh, infection rates in the United States to support people and to support their economies. And I, to this day, cannot understand why we as the richest country in the world will not give people their coins. Okay, so I know also that we've been dealing with, you know, restaurants struggling, small businesses struggling, and it's been like 
really upsetting to see them struggle. But I think we're also now getting to a point like nine months into this where many, many businesses are closing down. And I don't know about you, Zach, but there's actually a lot of gay bars in L.A. that are closing down. And we're left with one or two now. We didn't have many to begin with. We're not like New York where they're yeah. everywhere. We're just not. And it's just like really upsetting when we're talking about $900 billion and all of these small businesses are struggling so hard. And it's like, um, when will they so, see the help they deserve? So true. So true. You know, I just saw the news this morning that the gay bar Akbar in the Silver Lake neighborhood of L.A. Uh, was able to raise $150,000 within 24 hours of announcing that they could be closing due to lack of funds. And while that's incredible that our community came together and supported this historic bar, why are we even putting them in this position? Why are we right. as private why citizens having to do this? Why are we in a GoFundMe situation for society. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's enough that we're already go- we're going through a pandemic. We all are worried about our health and we also have to care about small businesses and making sure that they're propped up when the government's just hanging out, enjoying their time up in DC. So anyway, we could talk about this forever and ever, but <laughs> yes. Casey, what's happening in the pop culture and entertainment world? Okay. So, uh, everyone, there's newly leaked audio allegedly showing Tom Cruise yelling, like seriously yelling at crew members on the set of Mission Impossible 7. He's berating the crew for breaking COVID protocol, which, yes, no one should be breaking protocol, but I don't know. Take a listen and see if you would handle the situation in the same way at all. We are the gold standard. You're back here in Hollywood making movies right now because of us. Because they believe in us and what we're doing! I'm on the phone with every studio at night! Insurance companies! Producers! And they're looking at us and using us to make their movies! We are creating thousands of jobs, you I don't ever want to see it again! Cruz reportedly saw two crew members standing together in a monitor not six feet apart, which is what sparked the outburst. Mission Impossible 7 has been hit with several COVID-related delays, most recently when they had to shut down production after several crew members tested positive in October. Ooh, Tom Cruise. I forgot that he has an anger problem. I I I forget about this sometimes. You know, I get it, but I don't get it. I think there's a different way you could handle the situation. These crew, these sets seem really hard places to manage. Um, The restrictions and the protocols that are in place, you need to follow them so that people stay safe. But it's like, you know, the conundrum of like, do we need to be making an action film in the middle of a pandemic? I don't know. Complicated, because action films are very intimate things. Movie sets are very, very intimate things. And to have these people, have Tom Cruise yelling at people who make far less money than him, who are just trying to do their jobs, I don't know. I just feel I'm conflicted about it. No, no. And it makes sense. And I think the answer is just that both of these things can be true, that you shouldn't yell at someone like that. And also, you should be following protocol. So it's just like, but then, as you said, it's just like, it's, It's upsetting because it's like, okay, yes, anyone under the pressure that he's under, I'm sure like he expressed it in a very negative and and unproductive way. But also he there's a way to not feel that pressure. And it's to, like you said, not be filming an action movie right now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. So when we come back, we've got Paul McLeod breaking down everything on Capitol Hill. Stay right there. SheFit. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. 
It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. Hi, I'm Robert Lamb. And I'm Joe McCormick. And we're the hosts of the science podcast, Stuff to Blow Your Mind, where every week we get to explore some of the weirdest questions in the universe. Like if sci-fi teleportation was possible, how would it square with the multitudes of organisms that inhabit our human bodies? Can we find evidence of emotions in animals like bees, ants, and crayfish? How would an interplanetary civilization function? Does free will exist. Stuff to Blow Your Mind examines neurological quandaries, cosmic mysteries, evolutionary marvels, and the wonders of techno history. Basically, this show is the altar where we worship the weirdness of reality. If anybody ever told you you ask the weirdest questions, it is time to come join us in the place where you belong, the Stuff to Blow Your Mind podcast. New episodes publish every Tuesday and Thursday with bonus episodes on Saturdays. Listen to Stuff to Blow Your Mind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From Cavalry Audio comes the new true crime podcast, The Shadow Girls. I always wanted to know what it felt like to kill somebody. And he started laughing. Prosecutors described him as a serial killer savant, picking up these girls, getting them in a position of vulnerability. When he got a hold of their neck, that was it. I'm Carolyn Osorio, a journalist and lifelong resident of the Pacific Northwest. I grew up near the banks of the Green River and in the shadow of the killer that bears its name. How many times did you bring the camera to one the River? Time. Just one time. One time. He started fantasizing about having sex with his mother. Then he fantasized about killing her. But this podcast isn't only about tracking down the killer. It's about the victims. We stayed in the woods. He always liked to go to the woods. She was just, to all of us, kind of strange. You know how he feels about prostitutes? Listen to The Shadow Girls on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Joe Biden won the presidential election with 306 electoral votes, more than enough to seal a victory. But even though he's now won the election so many times we've lost count, it turns out most Republicans do not, as they say, trust the process. To explain what the heck is going on here, we are joined by BuzzFeed News reporter Paul McLeod, who wrote the aptly titled piece, Unspeakable Bravery, the Senate Republicans declare Joe Biden may have possibly technically won the election. Good afternoon, Paul. Hi, good afternoon. Thank you for leading us through this circus that we call our government today. (laughs) I'll I'll do my best. It's uh, confusing for everyone. Most of all, I think the people who are in the middle of it. That's, you know, that's very comforting to hear. All right. (laughs) So before we dive into your article, Paul, we need to know what's going on in Capitol Hill. What's Biden's situation there? And what are you hearing around town? So the past 24 hours or so, there's actually been something of a breakthrough where Republican leaders in the Senate have come out and said For the first time, Joe Biden is the president-elect, that it looks like he has (laughs) sewed this thing up, which is, of course, funny because it got sewed up a month ago. But uh, while there are still a lot of rank-and-file members and, oddly enough, even the leader of the House Republicans who won't come out and actually articulate that or say publicly that Joe Biden had won the election, that tide is definitely turning. We are now starting to see more and more Republicans come out and acknowledge reality and basically no longer go along with this sort of 
pandering campaign to President Trump, who, of course, still insists that he is the rightful victor and that he is going to be sworn in again for a second term on January 20th. Joe Biden and the current Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell have history together. Can you tell us a little bit about that history and what the future holds for both of them? Okay, so this is a million-dollar question. Uh, Joe Biden, longtime <laughs> senator, by all accounts, you know, very well liked, and actually has worked with Republicans over the years on a lot of uh, legislative deals that made it over the finish line. He seems to be under the impression that. This is how things are going to work under his administration, that he will be able to use his experience and get deals done with Mitch McConnell, with other uh, Senate Republicans. This sort of flies in the face of the reality of the last 10 to 15 years. Uh, Senate Republicans somewhat famously stymied Barack Obama at every turn, essentially. I mean, obviously, you know, not a single uh, vote for the Affordable Care Act. They slowed down and uh, his uh, judicial nominees famously blocking his Supreme Court nominee of Merrick Garland. Um, but all down the line, I mean, just everything Obama pushed for, Senate Republicans were more than willing as soon as they took control of that chamber to just shut it down. So that is the real question, is that what is the relationship going to be like? Is it the the old Biden relationship with Senate Republicans, or is it what we saw with them and Barack Obama? And it's really become this sort of test in D.C. of whether or not you're cynical or naive. I mean, I am more on the naive side. I think that Joe Biden is in for a rude awakening, but there are certain pe certainly people who have the other opinion. Well, speaking of tests, uh, let's get to the meat of your article. You and other pool reporters asked current Republican senators on Monday after all the electoral votes had been tallied whether or not Joe Biden had won. And most of them tried to steer clear of the question. What was their point of doing this, Paul? Well, it's been fascinating. And this has been an ongoing thing for the past month or so. You've seen President Trump lash out and uh, demonize any Republican who's been willing to step out of line. So people like Brian Kemp in Georgia, who you know, affirm the integrity of the election results, you'll see Trump go on, on Twitter and essentially turn his followers against these Republicans. And as we've seen over the last four years, uh, this, this is not where any elected Republican wants to be on Trump's bad side. But at the same time, you know, these people care about their own reputations, and the election was pretty conclusively decided, and they don't want to come out and be a full-on denialist. Most of them, some of them are more than happy to. Um, so you've seen this very awkward tightrope walk where they won't say that Trump lost, but they won't say that Biden lost. What they'll say is Trump has a right to exhaust all of his legal options, and we've just got to wait for the process to play out. Well, the process has played out. I mean, for all intents and purposes, Trump has had something like 60 legal challenges thrown out. The votes have been certified by all 50 states. The safe harbor deadline has passed. Uh, the Electoral College votes have been formally cast. The only step in the process left is for them to be counted by Congress and then the swearing-in ceremony. So, it, you know, it's done. It's baked in. There's no question about that. But for the longest time, Republicans were leery about acknowledging this pretty obvious reality, many of them. And so we had this game that continued right up until Monday after the Electoral College votes were cast where they would sort of dance around making any definitive statements or some of them would tout how, you know, their states voted for Trump. So it was just bizarre to watch this late in the game. That's still happening, which is why we wrote that story. 
Yeah, and it feels like the goalposts kept moving and moving and moving over and over again. And, you know, we can kind of assume it's because of Donald Trump. He is like the reason why the president has changed. But Paul, you know, as someone that works in Capitol Hill or reporting on government, are you worried that this is going to be the new norm? Is this going to be how it goes moving forward with every election? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think initially after the election, it was just sort of a let Trump throw his hissy fit, let him get this out of this, his system, and then we'll we'll move on. But as it has gone on and on and on, and Trump has showed no signs of actually dropping this this you know completely um, fantasy based uh, challenge to to the election. We've seen that there is a real problem here. I mean, we had a majority of members of the House of Representatives who were Republicans sign on to a lawsuit filed by Texas, the state of Texas, the Attorney General of Texas to overturn the results of four other states that Joe Biden won narrowly over Donald Trump. So we've got like essentially as as un-American an idea as you can you can picture which is one state trying to go in and tell another state uh, to, to decide the votes of another state. And you had a majority of House Republicans willing to sign on to that. I mean, this is this is a structural issue at this point. You've had four years now where fealty to Donald Trump has become essentially a uh, it's become a loyalty test in the Republican Party. And people who were seen as insufficiently loyal were often drummed out by primary challenges where people farther to the right would take their seats. And after four plus years of this, this is this is the result we get. We get a party that, in large part, is willing to go along with whatever President Trump says, regardless of how anti-democratic it is. Now, now I say in large part, it, it is that is not the entirety of the party. As the Senate, for example, it's a, it's a different story, and we're seeing a lot more, more pushback. But it does raise the question of what happens next time if the election is closer? What happens if it doesn't come down to four states or so, it comes down to one state? I think now it is only a matter of time before we see this play out in some future election whether it's 2024, 2028, whenever, uh, where someone is going to see this playbook that Donald Trump has laid out, and they're going to try to follow it. And it's impossible to say right now that they wouldn't be successful, that you could not overturn the genuine results of a presidency, given how easy it is to whip people into a fervor where they will they will back you when you try to do that. Okay, so for people who haven't gotten a chance to read your piece yet, is there one particular answer that you found particularly ridiculous or egregious or just funny? Oh, Kevin Kramer, uh, senator from North Dakota, when asked if if Biden is president-elect, goes, well, it seems to me that being elected by the Electoral College is a threshold where a title that is probably most appropriate, and it's, I suppose you can say official, if there is such a thing that's that's an official president-elect or anything else-elect, and there's an inauguration that will swear somebody in and that person will be the president of the United States. But whether you call it that or not, you know, there are legal challenges that are ongoing, not very many, probably not a remedy that would change the outcomes. But so I don't, again, I don't know how politicians refer to another politician, but it does look to me like the big race is really between the inaugural committee and the Justice Department at this point. So we'll see how the emails turn out. I have to say, my God. Okay, this is like during points when you go, oh, so Veep is real. Veep is real. <laughs> I, I don't even know how to explain where where he ended up there or what the emails were. I think he was talking about like a Hunter Biden thing. I, I truly have no idea. That is so nonsensical. All of that. <laughs> oh 
my god. I mean, god. it could have been a one-word answer. He could have just said yes, but instead, uh, that's that's where you yeah. go. Yeah, it could have been easy. It could have been easy. Well, before we let you go, Paul, I have one question that I hope is easy to answer. And, you know, we've talked a lot about how this mess of the election has just continued to keep going and will not stop. And, you know, January 20th, Biden will be sworn in. But on January 20th, is there anything Trump could do to, like, make this keep going? The 21st, we wake up to some new fresh hell? Well, I actually fully expect Trump to do some sort of counter rally, or, or uh, it's certainly possible at least that he he does some sort of demonstration, you know, as sort of a president in exile, <laughs> kind of you know whipping up his followers <laughs> to believe that you know it's sort of like maybe uh, he'll he'll run a, his uh, his shadow government out of Mar-a-Lago for the next four years. Uh, at a certain point, there is nothing he can do formally; he will have no power uh, after January twentieth, but. There's, there's still a huge amount of the country uh, that believes in him. There's a huge amount of elected officials that want to be president and will probably feel like they have to kiss his rings if they uh, ever get there. And uh, there's always a chance he could run again in 2024. So, uh, you know, Trump will be certainly neutered after January 20th in terms of how he's able to affect your life. But it... Uh, if you're hoping that you'll never have to hear from him again, I I have some bad news that that, that is unlikely to happen. Well, on that note, thanks for joining us, Paul. Always happy to bring the cheery news. <laughs> Bye, Paul. Well, that's it for today. Join us tomorrow for a chat with Otilia Stedman on the Pornhub fiasco. And remember, we literally cannot wait for the first president to roll up in a Subaru. <laughs> Be sure to subscribe to News O'Clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to set your alarm so you never miss an episode of News O'Clock. It's not easy being the one everyone counts on to keep the facility running, no matter the weather or supply chain hiccup. But we get you, Raymond in Buffalo. And Maria in Miami, Jules in Minneapolis, and Stan in central Indiana, taking control of everything that's under your control. At Granger, we're here for you with experienced branch staff at over 250 locations so you get the product you're looking for. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You've always had the feeling that there's something strange about reality. According to the Stuff to Blow Your Mind podcast, there is. On the show, hosts Robert Lamb and Joe McCormick examine neurological quandaries, cosmic mysteries, evolutionary marvels, and much more. Prosthetics are true testaments to not only human craftsmanship and ingenuity, but also to the plasticity of the human brain. Listen to Stuff to Blow Your Mind on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by DuckDuckGo. Protect your privacy online for free with DuckDuckGo. The NFL Podcast Network is your home for all things football. Do you love hearing analysis around the league with a touch of mirth? Or maybe you enjoy breaking down X's and O's in the college scouting scene. Do you breathe, sleep, and eat fantasy football? Perhaps you love the funny headlines that emerge each week. What if you want in-depth news coverage with reporters? Or what if you want to know exactly how each team got its name? Well, you're in luck because the NFL Podcast Network has a show for everybody. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.